Tuning you in now to the all-new LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the LBX Daily Show. We're your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. Thanks for being with us here today. Um, Just to quickly to explain to all of you newcomers, the LBX Daily is a lightning quick 15-20 minute podcast highlighting some of of the fascinating things happening in the location-based entertainment industry. Uh, The first part of the show, which we call the rundown, we touch on some of the interesting topics and stories that we've seen over the past 24 hours then we top it all off with our very own musings on an industry-specific topic during the ruminations portion. Since the idea is to create community and get people to share ideas and connect, we then post this rumination on our Discord channel. Then after the podcast, we ask you to join us there to provide your thoughts and give us your feedback. And this brings me to the biggest point. What the heck are we all doing here? Well, this show isn't just about us yammering away. It's about building a community, the location-based uh, experience collective, a place where industry professionals like you and me, we can connect, engage, inspire, and celebrate all of our collective triumphs. So if you haven't already done so, after this podcast, head on over to our website, lbxcollective.com, and there you can follow us on social media, tune into our shows, and most importantly, join the community. All right, let's get things rolling, shall we? And uh, we have Brandon in an amazingly interesting location today. Take it yeah, away. yeah. All right. Well, so I'm actually at the Santa Monica Pier and um, just checking the whole thing out. There's you know, obviously restaurants and then clearly you can tell behind me tons of rides and games and everything else. Uh, I was actually out here for the meetup for the, for the IAPA meetup at Universal. And um, I, think, I don't know exactly what we're going to do. We're just meeting at a Mexican restaurant and going, I think, in, inside to see maybe Mario, Mario Land, um, Super Mario Land. I'm not sure. But I thought as long as I'm out here, I've driven all the way out here from Phoenix, I might as well go check out the pier and just see what kind of new food and beverage, like carnival style food and beverage items there are. And um, and then what kind of different midway games they're playing. And um, there's, a, there's a whole arcade as well. And so I'm walking through that here a little bit. And so just checking to see what, uh, what type of location-based entertainment experiences there are. I'd say it, it definitely feels like an old timey boardwalk carnival style games and rides. Uh, yeah. There's not a whole lot of innovation and new stuff yet. So again, maybe I'll see some different in the arcade. Uh, but the, the food is, you know, all your fried food and cotton candy and Wetzel's pretzels and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, anyway, I, I'll let you guys certainly know tomorrow if I happen to see anything unique. But so far, it's been you know, pretty good, solid boardwalk peer experience. Well, two things I love about it so far, number or two things or questions I have for you. It's, no, well, number one is I love that the roller coaster is running behind you, and I hope it runs as we're recording this. It's a really cool shot. And then second, have you found the Zoltar machine yet? Have you had your fortune read? I know, I know. I haven't found Zoltar, but I'm pretty sure he's in the fun center of the arcade. So awesome. I definitely will take a picture of Zoltar as soon as I'm in this. I feel like, yeah, that's, that's something you're going to have to do before you leave. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Well, so I think also one of the things that we had uh, that we covered when we were you know, just basically rolling is uh, for the last few weeks, they've been running this series called the, uh, the How to Provide a Great Guest Experience. And they have their third part out right now. And so definitely encourage you to go and read the first two parts, obviously, before the third. You don't you want to get prequels before you get this one. Uh, but it's been a really great long form uh, uh, long-form structured essays and, and posts on 
how to just really build that great solid guest experience, visitor experience. So if you're not familiar with Blue, Blue Loop, that's B-L-O-O-L-O-O-P.com, BlueLoop.com, and just search for their guest experience part one, part two, and part three blogs. Yeah, awesome. Good stuff. Yeah, it was a really good read. That's for sure. Um, all right. So I was doing some research earlier today and um, something caught my eye. Ocean Park in Hong Kong um, has annual memberships on sale, which I thought was interesting. So I just kind of dove into a little bit of, about that. But what I found fascinating absolutely about their membership program is that they allow dogs in the park on Mondays and Thursdays. So I have so many questions. So many questions, Brandon. Um, so can you bring your dog in for other days for a fee? Yeah. Are they are they just only allowed on Mondays and Wednesdays or can you bring them in on Saturdays, but you have to pay extra? Like I know. Exactly. Like, is there a place? Like, is there a little dog park for them to run around? Is there like a little amusement dog park? Do they get to engage with the other animals? I, I would think that like, too, if they have, you know, I don't know what kind of rides they have, right? I mean, if it's just sort of like a sea world that they do without rides, maybe it doesn't matter. But if they have rides, like, do they have dog lockers to put your dog in a locker? Because they don't let you take your backpack. Oh, yeah. Right. You can't take your dog on a, on a ride. Could be so a good source super, of revenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Sure, there's a dog kennel, right? Um, anyway. Yeah, for sure. I think some things that I would worry about, though, is how do they manage food safety? And maybe because it's an outside park, maybe that's not an issue there. I know in a typical FEC, that would probably be a pretty big no. Like that, I don't think you get that past them. Yeah, yeah, sure. What do you do with uh, customers and guests that are afraid of dogs? Because there, there are you know a fair bit of them that are scared. So I mean, are you? turning away customers who might, you know, oh, I'm not going to go because they allow dogs and I don't want to run into dogs, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we have dog allergies, we have dog fights. Like, what if the dogs, like, they're ah. each other and then all of a sudden they get into it or, that, you know, the owner's looking away, ordering food, and then some little kid comes up and pets the dog and the dog bites them. I mean, there's so many issues, I think. And it's one thing if it's a trained service dog uh, that, that's there to provide service. Like, they're trained to be in those environments. But if I'm bringing my wacky, like, home dog, to this park with other animals and other humans like that's that to me seems a little bit odd but hey maybe this is something that like there's maybe there's a, an opportunity for this like you know at, at a you know, lbe venue hey every monday is dog day and and you know that people only that like dogs are going to come on monday dog day or tuesday and find like an empty slow spot in your afternoon and make two to four your dog hours or something like that mm-hmm. who knows i don't know maybe mm-hmm. there's something to that yeah, I think so. Or even just even like I loved your idea of having a doggy daycare or something. Like we would have tons of customers that would come and they'd leave their dogs in the parking lot. And obviously that would be very frowned upon now, but and we'd have guests complaining and saying there's a dog locked in a car. Like are they overheating in that car? Could you offer a space even uh where the dog could go where it'd be cool and shady and they'd have water or even someone just to play with the dogs and watch the dogs while they were in the yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, look like these these dog these dogtopias and other you know, other franchise brands, and like there's there's even some entertainment places that have you know whole dog run and dog park area with a bar and food and, and a restaurant, and so there's no there's no reason you couldn't have a dog run and like let, let your dog run around while you go and play throw some axes and have some food and have some drinks. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just wonder what's next, like attractions for dogs, little Ferris wheels that the dogs can sit on and go around on, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, that could very well be coming. We don't know. Very well. Very well. Um, Brandon, do you know what's worse than driving a minivan? And, and I feel, I'm afraid I'm probably going to lose some friends here by saying this. Um, but in my mind, it's owning a pair of Crocs. 
They're the stupidest looking shoes in the world. However, 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 after I tell this story, I feel like I may have been convinced to actually buy myself a pair. Now, <laughs> it took a lot to do this convincing, but we have a new love child in town, and it is the Pop-Tart Croc Combo, okay? So Pop-Tarts and Crocs have teamed up to create these limited edition Croc sets. Now, what it includes, here, let's have a little picture. Uh, I do I do love Pop-Tarts while so we're pulling up the picture here. I love Pop-Tarts. So okay. So Who doesn't love a good Pop-Tart? So what they've done is they've created a blank um, kind of Croc. So it's off-white, meant to replicate the untoasted, unfrosted Pop-Tart pastry. And then what they do is they, they sell it with a little set of charms. So in the charms, you get a frosted strawberry charm, a frosted wildberry tart charm, a full foil wrapper, crazy good slogan, a pop tart slogan. And then also they include a pair of, oh, let me pull up this other picture. This is a beauty. Um, red socks to show you got strawberry jam going into your tarts, right? Aren't these amazing? Um, yep, and yep, then to yeah, that's a lot of see over here, we've also included an edible box of pop tarts with these little gummies that are in the shape of pop tarts, and it comes with a tube of edible glue, and you can glue your pop tarts or your your gummies onto your pop tarts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm sold. I, I want yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, this this is a brilliant collaboration, and, and I actually have to wonder how many. How many of these are are available? Like you said, it's limited edition, but maybe um, I mean, could this be a redemption item? Could this be something that goes into a crane, um, you know, or, or, or you know, have to win or something like that? Like that's those are um, super interesting. Mm -hmm. Because look, my son has Crocs. He doesn't put the charms in his Crocs, uh, but he he wears them all like religiously. So uh, it definitely feeds a certain market. And, and my son's sixteen. And, they're all about the Crocs. I get it. I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Crocs actually, the brand itself has done some pretty miraculous things. Like they have high heeled Crocs now <laughs> and platform Crocs. Like, I mean, I think they even have a boot Croc actually too. They had cowboy yeah, boots. Well, well, it might be. I mean, I know I wear, I, I have, I do have a pair of Crocs. Not that style, not the original Croc style, but I have sandals uh, that I that I wear um, specifically because I need to wear them and be able to take them off quickly, and I need to be able to float and that kind of thing when I'm out of the water uh, rowing. But um, but that's the only reason I bought them is because they were they, they kind of fit that what I, that need. But I would never wear them fashionably anywhere. But, uh, but look, you know what? Maybe I would wear hey, Tarts Crocs. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Maybe your mind will be changed, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, creative minds. There are some serious creative minds out there. Um, I was on Facebook and I saw a post um, from Mark Weiss. Um, he was formerly with Airway Friends Center in Michigan, I believe. Um, now, I'm not sure if he's with them still, but it seems like he's involved to some degree. He put a post up of a promotion that they're trying. And I, I thought it was so fascinating. What they're doing is they have purchased or acquired a signed Taylor Swift guitar. All right. Now, um, I did a little bit of research because I was curious to know what the cost of something like that would be. And my research was very varied. <laughs> there were guitars from $10,000 to $1,000. And then I saw a guitar that went off an auction for $120,000. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows what this guitar was worth? But let's just say it was worth five to $1,000 for this guitar. Okay. Um, and what they're doing is they are, they've put this guitar in a redemption game. Now, um, here, I'll pull it up, actually. Um, I have to reach out to my friend, Nick 
Mario at 45 games to find out what game this was. And he felt that it was probably going to be a cut to win, which um, I think I validated with the background there. Um, and so in this particular game, what you need to do is you have to go in, you pay your, your price, whatever um, the, the, the FPC wants to charge, and you have to cut a string. And then if you're successful at cutting that string, a door opens and you win the prize. Pretty incredible, right? But I thought, yep. holy moly, like the cost of this guitar and the strategy behind this. I mean, obviously Taylor Swift is huge right now. Um, how would you market this in your FEC to get enough word to drive enough people in to come and play on this Taylor Swift guitar, right? Yeah, I, I think, you know, because typically in a, in a cut to win, you see like a PlayStation or something like that. I mean, it still is a high priced item, um, but something that's that's like you know, essentially going to be priceless at some point uh, down the line, like five thousand, I mean, hundred, you know, even if it's ten thousand dollars, you know, worth that now, it's going to be worth ten x that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now. So I think it's so fascinating to put something like this in here at such a high initial cost. But such a high long-term value as well for like and again like how do you market enough um in, in order to, to just get people in here specifically you have to, this is something that almost you have to spread far beyond your local region to try to get people to come in and win this guitar and then you know i'll hopefully do and spend some money somewhere else as well yeah yeah and, and maybe it's worth reaching out to them to find out what their marketing strategy was and see how effective it was in the end i think that's something that we might want to consider um if it was yeah. If I had this in my center, I think I might have strategized it a bit differently. I think I would have put it in a case at the front door, and then maybe everybody that bought an annual pass or something in the house, I would have given them a, a ticket to register and put it, their name in for a draw or something, you know, and tried to do some repeat visitation or something. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? If it yeah, and, and you know, and I think even just visibly, I like the idea of the case, the, you know, the case and having it at the front because. When it's in, it's in a cut to win, it gets lost amongst all of your other redemption items and your other train games and everything else that you might have. And unless you put that cut to win like front and center as you first walk in, and then it's sort of like the case, I don't know where it's positioned. Um, but I think that's the only way you can really do that. Otherwise, I think you lose visibility. And so you can still have that as a cut to win prize, but have the actual guitar at the front of the entrance. And then just have like a right. replica or like a sign down there. This is like, you know, win the guitar that you saw up here and mm -hmm. just cut to win. Right. Yeah. So you can kind of use that. Oh, no, go ahead. I mean, I was going to just say the cut to win is interesting because we were talking about earlier uh, because you can set how like the level of chance. So because the value is so high, you can put the level of chance high too. The only downside, as we all know, when we're setting, you know, when we're setting our settings and crane games and you know everything else, like you have to balance the cost to play with the, the, the chance of winning, with the you know repeat playability and like all those things. Like it has to be fun and not frustrating ultimately too. Yeah, I agree. Now, however, they could be really creative about this and they could have pulled this game out, put it right front and center when you walk in the door, you see it, it's got the flashing lights and you know, even, you know, what I might have done is like put spotlights around it and have like the red, um, like, um, what are they called? Um, the, the line markers that you have oh. to, the velvet line markers. Yeah, the, vel the velvet ropes. Yeah. Get out yeah, to the, the front, ropes, you know, yeah. make it into a super showcase. That could be super cool to get some advertising and write outs and media on it. And maybe you just even have people coming in to play that and experiencing your center for the first time too. It could be really cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think if you, if you I think that's a perfect way to use something like that to drive something. If it's just sitting in the back in your arcade and kind of gets lost, then yeah, I think it's a big missed opportunity. But I'm sure they did a much better job uh, marketing than probably what we're able to see. From I agree. I agree. And I, I think that we have an opportunity here to reach out to them and actually bring them on and find out exactly what they did. And so I mean, guess that kind of leads us to um, our rumination for today, and that is yeah. what. What prizes and promotional items have you tried in your centers to drive traffic and revenue? Was it successful? And what were kind of the key elements that you use in that promotion to build it out to make um, make it more impactful? Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, and so we want to be able to hear from you. So join the conversation on our LBX Collective Discord. And, you know, just like that, uh, you have this first wow. on, on-premise uh, location. So, you know, remote location. Um, yeah, it's funny, especially because we're going to be doing a lot more of these, especially during the week of IAPA when we have our we have our booth we do live broadcast from the IAPA Expo floor uh, in, in November. So looking forward to that. So this is a little bit of a test run. Uh, but look, we've ended today's, uh, we're, at, we're at the end of the Outbacks Daily. Uh, so hop into our Discord channel. We want to hear from you, share your thoughts on today's rumination or past ones. And we just want your feedback on this episode, as well as any requests for future ops, uh, topics, or burning questions that you'd like to ask the community. And speaking of community, we want you to help spread the power of the LBX Collective. Uh, please share this link to the Discord server, as well as these episodes with all of your buddies and other industry pros. And tell them to head over to lbxcollective.com. That's lbxcollective.com. And join the most amazing community ever. So until we meet again, our fellow LBXers, Keep being extraordinary. This is Christine Beer and Brandon Wiley signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Later, everyone.